Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Good morning. Everybody doing great today? Yeah, all right, we got a little bit fired up. I'm excited today. You know, I woke up excited this morning, and it's not just because I'm preaching on depression, such a wonderful topic. Actually, my wife and I are headed to Colorado tomorrow for a vacation, so that's the real reason. But I am excited about some of the things I have to share with you this morning. We're continuing this series called Breaking Bad, and we are going to talk about how do you dig your way out of depression. And just me saying that we're going to talk about depression is enough to make some of you depressed. I get that, okay? But this is what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. The New American Standard Version says a broken spirit dries up the bones. I actually like the God's Word translation of this verse the best. It says a joyful heart is good medicine, but depression drains one's strength. And I want you to circle the word drains there. I mean, nobody goes through life and they want their day-to-day activities to drain them, right? Nobody sets depression on their list of life goals. Nobody woke up this morning going, I hope I end up depressed today. It's just not how we live our lives. But the reality of our times and circumstances can push us into depression. You know, maybe you're here and you've lost your job or you're struggling financially. That's depressing, Or maybe you're here and your job is incredibly stressful day in and day out. That can lead to depression. There are so many factors that contribute to depression. Reports say that Americans are drifting away spiritually, losing their moral compass, lacking direction and purpose in life. That's depressing. Relational isolation and loneliness is on the rise. That leads to depression. Divorce rates are climbing. Seven out of 10 people who get married today will end up divorced. Physical illness, maladies, those things contribute to depression, which leads me to a little disclaimer on this message. I'm wise enough to know that there is a deeper chemical issue that can lead to depression, okay? It goes beyond the counsel in this message. It's a slice of depression called clinical depression. And fortunately, God has given doctors wisdom to be able to help some people with certain types of medication. It's probably not the majority of us in here, but if you suspect that you may be clinically depressed, I would encourage you to get medical help. But for most of us in here, We suffer from other types of depression, what I would call relational depression or situational depression. Relational depression, it's when relationships go south and sour and they kind of wound us. Situational depression is when tragedy hits or when things don't turn out the way we want them to. Now, depression is a sense of hopelessness and it reveals itself in many ways. Some people get kind of moody. Others get apathetic and say things like, oh, what's the use? Right, there's a resignation, a numbness, kind of a funk that people get into. Strong feelings of helplessness, pessimism, gloom. It's how you feel when a pastor has a long-winded sermon, okay? It's like, oh, is this ever going to end, right? You know that feeling of hopelessness, right? Yeah, you're supposed to say no and make me feel good. Thanks, I'm, now I'm depressed. Great, way to go. But the fact is we all respond to depression, you and I, in different ways. So let's have a little audience participation here. Let's have some fun with this. When you are down in the dumps, what do you do? Go ahead, start firing away. Video games, there we go, bing. 
TV? Eat, cry. What's that? Music. Music. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Exercise. Exercise. Good. Working out. Read. Okay, keep going. Take a nap. Sleep. Yeah, we got that. Call out to God. Pray. Okay, we got one Christian here. (laughs) Maybe a Pharisee. I don't know. Anything else? Going once, going twice. Play with the dogs. There you go. Animals. Actually, yeah, music and animals. Big time therapy for depression. You know, for me personally, when I get depressed, I'll tell you what I do. I kind of withdraw. Right? I don't want to be around people. I just kind of want to be left alone, want to veg out. And, and maybe I'll read, maybe I'll sleep, maybe I'll pray, watch TV, play a video game, eat an entire bag of York peppermint patties, right? Those are the kind of things that I do. And, and from time to time, we all visit this state of depression. It's natural to visit this state. You just don't want to live there, okay? I mean, we're human. We suffer this side of heaven. I mean, life can just suck the life right out of you. The problem is not in checking into depression hotel. The problem happens when you're paying a monthly rate, okay? And I feel like throughout my life, I kind of go in and out of depression. Usually happens after long weeks of work or when I'm dealing with difficult people. None of you, of course, all right? But, but if you're depressed today or you go in and out of it or maybe you have a friend who's depressed, let me give you some really good news. I believe depression stands at a door that opens up to spiritual growth. Depressed people are so close to God doing something great in their lives. In fact, if you look at the Bible, you will see so many people who look very depressed that God ends up using in incredible ways. If you read the Psalms written by King David, you'll see that David, he had some big time highs and some big time lows. And you don't have to look very far to find a depressing Psalm. Okay, just listen to these words, Psalm 38, five to eight. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain all day long. I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Over in Psalm 88, one to six. I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I'm forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Wow. See, what I want you to understand here is that even in the midst of feelings of depression and discouragement, God can use you in incredible ways. Just like he used other people we find in scripture. And I've given you three examples on your outline. Moses, Elijah and Jonah. I really want to encourage you, look up the passages on Elijah and Jonah. It's fascinating. But today, we're just going to focus in on one scene from Moses' life. And let me start with a little background information. Moses was the leader of the Israelite people who led them out of captivity in Egypt. Okay, the Jews were slaves to Pharaoh. They cry out to God, set us free. God says, Moses, I want you to lead them out. And then all the plagues happen. Moses eventually leads them out. They're being chased as they're heading out of town. So what does God do? He parts the Red Sea. Israel walks across on dry land. The Egyptian army goes for a swim and the Israelites are delivered. That's the quick story. And so now God is leading them toward this promised land, this amazing land where they're going to take root. But it takes them 40 years to get there. Why? Because they doubted God and because there was all this complaining going on. Even though they had food every single day, God provided manna. 
And even though they were no longer slaves in captivity, they were free. Still, there was all this complaining. Those of you who are moms here, just imagine two million whiny babies, okay? And you're the leader of that crew. And one of the things they complained about was variety in their food, okay? God gave them food every day, but it was the same food, manna. And like Moses, how many different ways are we supposed to bake manna, okay? There's got to be somebody up there preparing for the Heavenly Food Network channel that can help us with this, right? They got sick of it. I mean, give me a favorite food. Let's do some more audience participation. Give me your favorite foods. Let's go ahead. What's that? Quail. Quail. Well, that's, a, that's an unusual one. <laughs> that, that one's coming up in the story, actually, but that's, that's a different. What's that? Tacos. There we go. Bratwurst. Well, we got some, I'm expecting like beef white. <laughs> the taste in this room is just, Mike, what do you guys eat? <laughs> Haven't heard any McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken. What? Keep going. French fries. Would somebody please say pizza? Okay, thank you. How about prawns? You like You ever had those? They're like shrimp on steroids. I could eat those a lot. Probably my favorite food is in the candy genre. I'll just admit it. It's York peppermint patties, okay? If I wasn't concerned about my weight or the occasional diabetic coma, I would eat York peppermint patties every day. Sometimes I pray they just fall from the sky like manna. How could you complain about that? Man, I just. <laughs> but here's the deal. Moses was inundated with all these complaints. Just imagine this. Put yourself in Moses' shoes as we go through this whole story. Just day in, day out, day in, day out. Complain, complain, complain. Till finally Moses, he snaps. Check this out. Numbers 11, 10 to 15. <clears throat> Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into this world? Why do you tell me to carry these, like, you know, carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them in the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Wow. Moses tells, he says, you know, I'd rather you kill me than treat me like this. Whoa, I mean, I, I've been through some pretty painful trials in my life. I've been a Minnesota Viking fan my whole life. I know pain, okay? But it takes a lot to get to the point where you say, I'm dead, I'm, I'm done, just take me. Just, I'm, I'm. What about the other line there, the why me, Lord, okay? By show of hands, how many of you ever said that, the why me? Go ahead, yeah, well, why me? Why me? It's really a cry of depression is what it is. And if you look at all three of these biblical characters, Moses says, I'd rather you kill me than treat me like this. Elijah, you know what he says? He says, I've had enough, Lord, just take me out. Jonah says, I'd rather be dead than alive. My wife says, Lord, if I have to watch another football game, I'm going to kill him, okay? <laughs> Those are cries of depression. But, but even in that very state, there's hope, people. Because hear me on this, depression stands right at the front door of God using you in a mighty way. I believe that. I've seen that. Now, we go in and out of depression for all different kinds of reasons. I got to thinking about this. It could be physical reasons. Right, you're tired, you're exhausted, fatigued, 
you have chronic pain, low blood sugar, which is where York peppermint patties can really help, by the way. <laughs> but it could be emotional reasons, loneliness, some type of abuse, childhood trauma, spiritual reasons, you got guilt, you don't feel forgiveness. I mean, there are a thousand reasons for depression, but there are a few reasons that really stand out that most everyone in here can relate to. And they jump right out of this biblical text as well. So let me give you some warning signs to look out for in your life or if you're helping a hurting friend. All right, I want you to write these down. First of all, there's fatigue. And I'm defining fatigue as consumed by activity. Consumed by activity. You know, Moses says the load is far too heavy. I'm just tired. I can't handle it. I mean, imagine Moses' life. Imagine being the help desk for two million people. Moses, I don't like where my tent is located. Moses, my spouse isn't being very nice. Moses, I got a hangnail, right? I mean, just imagine the line there was to get to see Moses to complain in the first place. How you get to the front of the line? When I started in line, it was, man, and now I've got bone density issues going on, you know? I mean, just, just, just imagine it for Moses. But in all three of these examples, hear me on this, this is really important. In all three of these examples, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah, physical exhaustion was a big, big factor. So we need to hold up the mirror in our own lives. You need to hold up the mirror to yourself for a second. How tired are you? Are you worn out? Are you moving too fast? Do you have too many things on your to-do list, right? Do you need to cancel some obligations, some appointments? Do you need to take a day off, a week off? Do you need to slow down? You know, maybe you're trying to keep up with the Joneses still, and you haven't realized that the Joneses actually died of physical exhaustion years ago, okay? If you're feeling tired, fatigued, there's a great prayer for you in Psalm 6. David writes, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? If you battle depression fairly regularly, you might want to begin by looking at your physical condition. Now, that may depress you in and of itself, right? But you start there. Maybe you're just so consumed with activity that that's pushing you into depression. Okay, second, there's fear. And I'm defining fear as consumed by worry. Moses says, where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? Okay, my wife quoted this verse frequently when my junior high son had all of his friends over. <laughs> but, but if you study Moses' life, you'll find that Moses... Moses worried about a lot of things. You know why? Because he tried to play God. He was always assuming responsibilities that were never his in the first place. Right? They were God's responsibilities. God says, Moses, all I want you to do is carry these people out of Egypt and toward the promised land. I want you to lead these people. God didn't say, Moses, you're responsible to provide for them. That was God's job. But Moses worried about that. Again, hold up the mirror, people. What are you worrying about that's really God's responsibility? Now, I'm not saying that you're going to go through life and never worry. You worry about things, right? I mean, there are some things you should be a little worried, a little concerned about. Right? Do I allow my kid to play out in the front yard by himself? You know, will the Vikings offensive line crumble in the middle of the season? Those are good things to worry about. You know, will there be a high school musical five, right? I worry about that. that. I get that. I'm talking about being consumed by worry. I'm talking about the I mean, big stuff. When you get consumed by worry, you know what it gives birth to? Fear. And then all of a sudden, you become fearful of everything in life. 
The image I have in my mind is that worry is like a sponge that wipes away today's joy and leaves a residue of fear. That's what worry does. It wipes away today's joy and just leaves this film, this residue of fear. And that fear may be pushing you into depression. Okay, third warning sign to look out for is frustration. This is a biggie. This is where I often land because it's consumed by unmet expectations. I can't tell you how dangerous expectations can be. Consumed by unmet expectations. Moses says, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Unmet expectations. I mean, think about Moses. He sacrificed everything to lead these people. I mean, you got to give Moses some credit here. He put it all on the line. And he was like, guys, throw me a bone here, right? I got you through the plagues. I got you through the Red Sea. You're getting food every day. I'm uncomfortable too, right? I got sand in places I didn't even know I had, all right? Cut me some slack. And what happens? You would expect them maybe to complain a little less? <laughs> no such luck. That's an unmet expectation. And unmet expectations always lead to frustration. And some of you in here, you have unmet expectations in your life. And so you got all this frustration built up. Your marriage isn't all that you hoped it would be. Right? Your relationships, your friendships aren't as deep as you'd like them to be. You jumped onto a certain career path in hopes it would bring you a certain degree of joy and security, but it's fallen short. Your 401k is a 201, right? You had great plans for many things, these dreams in your life, and now you're left with these unmet expectations. What do you do with those? You know, so often what we do is we focus on the people who have let us down, or we focus on the situation that didn't turn out the way we want it to. And when we focus on those things, it's all right here, and we don't see the bigger picture. We don't get the total perspective. That's what depression does. You're living with that failure, with that unmet expectation right here. So you don't see what's out there, right? You don't see what's bigger. So could any of these three possibly be why you move in and out of depression, fatigue, fear, frustration? We all visit depression. That's part of life, part of being human. But let me tell you, there is hope on the other side. Because no matter what the cause of your depression is, Jesus offers you exactly what you need to break out of that depression. Jesus has the answer. People, the answer to depression, it's not some cute little song, right? Tomorrow, tomorrow, sun will come out tomorrow. Thanks, redheaded kid. That doesn't help me at all, okay? <laughs> the answer to depression is not some cute little slogan, right, that you're going to find on Facebook or Instagram, right? Or, or getting in somebody's face and saying, you know, just, just cut it out. It's not that simple. It doesn't work. Or saying, don't be sad. Okay, that's not helpful. That's like saying, don't be ugly. It doesn't work, okay? <laughs> I'm a little adamant about this, okay? And here's why. Because I see this all the time, right? Don't worry, be happy. The songs, the books, the slogans, the sayings, it's not going to do it. The answer to depression, it's tied to a person, Jesus. That's where the hope is found. So what does Jesus offer us? Well, the first thing that Jesus offers us in the midst of depression is this. Jesus offers me power I don't have. See, when I'm tired, when I'm fatigued, when I'm consumed by activity, Jesus offers me the power to keep going. You know, I am really intrigued by human physical power. 
I mean, I'm fascinated by power lifters, bodybuilders, how people can get their muscles to grow bigger and stronger. I'm totally into that. In fact, every year on ESPN, they have this show called The World's Strongest Man. You guys ever seen that? And my wife just walks out of the room shaking her head, right? But I'm mesmerized by that. These guys are pulling semi-trucks with their teeth. Awesome. <laughs> Doing curls with live elephants. I'm going, whoa, that's power. I'm into that. I'm never going to watch a show called The World's Wimpiest Man, right? Ten dudes working at the DMV with paper cuts. I, I don't care, okay? <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like. But, but here's the deal. As fascinated as I am with human power, physical power, can I just be really honest with you? It doesn't do much for you in life. I mean, when you have relational problems, when you're struggling with tough situations in life that you can't handle, it doesn't matter how physically strong you are. You need a different kind of power. That's the power Jesus offers. God's answer to your personal energy crisis is his power. And how do you get his power? You get his power when you get filled up with his presence. Take a look at Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you. I want you to circle that. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power, circle that, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are a lot of Christians, let me just be totally honest, a lot of Christians who are living powerless lives. They're not experiencing God's power. Why not? Is there something wrong with this verse? No, there's a key word in this verse, trust. God will fill you as you trust in him. See, the key is to trust, to depend on him. But most of us, we're not doing that. Not really. Not day in and day out, not moment by moment. We're busy depending on our own power, our own charisma, our own wisdom, our own ways. But Jesus offers us his power that we don't have. In Colossians 1.29, Paul says he is depending, there's a key word, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. You know, a lot of people say verbally, I want his power, but with their lives, they're saying, but I want to live life my way, right? By my rules, my values. And then they wonder why the power doesn't show up. I mean, think about this. Just go logic with me. Why would God give you his power, his supernatural power? Why would he give that to you just so you could live life your own way? It doesn't make sense. Philippians 4.13 says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So there is hope. Jesus offers me a power I don't have, but I have to submit to his ways to experience his power. Second, Jesus offers me promises I can depend on. When I'm worried in life, when I'm afraid, I can come out of that by hanging on to God's promises. This is key. And unlike a lot of promises were dealt by people in life, we can trust God's promises. God always comes through with his promises. And believe it or not, there are over 7,000 promises in God's word. And depending on those promises when you're depressed, that can help get you through. Here's a promise in Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. That's a promise. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Are you afraid? Then cling to the promise of Isaiah 41.10. Let me get really practical with you here. It may be a good idea to take some of God's promises and just jot them down on a three-by-five card. And you can keep that with you. Keep it in your pocket, your purse, the dashboard of your car, your briefcase, next to the toilet paper rack, somewhere, wherever you want. And so when you begin to think, ah, I don't really feel forgiven. 
First John 1 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. I'm forgiven. It's a promise. I'm afraid. Okay, how about Joshua 1 9? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a promise. I'm feeling depressed. Does God even care about what I'm going through right now? 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. My finances, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. Not everything you want, everything you need. It's a promise from God. You say, does my faithfulness even matter? I'm, I'm living life God's way. Is there any payback for being a faithful man, a faithful woman of God? Hebrews eleven six. 6, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Jesus offers me promises I can depend on. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. People, every day, you trust in something. Every day you trust in someone. Why not trust in someone you can depend on? Someone will never let you down. Someone whose love will never fail, never abandon you. So Jesus offers me power I don't have. Jesus offers me promises I can depend on. One more. Jesus offers me perspective of his purpose. Now this is key. When I'm frustrated and just seeing the small picture, God can offer me a bigger perspective a perspective of his purpose in the midst of my problems. So when I've lost perspective, God says, hey, pal, you're just looking at the little things. You're focused on these little things here. I mean, you're discouraged and depressed because of that person who let you down, that situation that didn't work out. You're depressed because you lost some money in your retirement account. You were so focused on this small picture. I got a bigger picture. There's always a bigger plan in play. God says, I love you. I'm with you. Right? I want to use you. I'll never leave you. I'll give you my power. I'll walk with you. I'll guide you. And because I love you, I've got a great purpose for your life, a purpose that brings you hope. Bible says in Romans 5, 5, and this hope, hope of salvation, will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. No matter how you're feeling right now, today, no matter how you're feeling tomorrow, no matter how you're feeling at any point in time, there's a bigger picture. And here's a promise for you and a good one to jot down on the three by five card. Romans 8, 28. Some of you know this. And we know that in all things, we know, not we wonder, we know that in all things, not some things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So when you're depressed and focused on that small picture, look up because God has a bigger perspective, one that's filled with hope. Over in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is talking and this is what he says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers you life in all of its fullness. Some versions say abundant life. It's the best life possible. Jesus offers that to you. And I don't know about the economy. I don't know about your job security. I don't know what the future may bring, but I know that only Jesus can give you something that no one else can give you. A life filled with his power instead of your fatigue, 
A life filled with his promises instead of your fears. A life filled with his perspective instead of your frustration. And those are the cures for depression. Let's put them into play in our lives, okay? Pray with me. Lord, I just thank you so much for the wisdom of your word. And just this little study of Moses' life and how we see where depression comes from, the causes of depression, and we also see the solution. Lord, and we thank you so much that we, though we're frail, though we get tired, though we get worried and afraid, we get frustrated, we're not alone. We're no different than Moses, David, Elijah, Jonah. And none of us are immune to seasons of depression, being down in the dumps. Sometimes it gets pretty bad. But God, I thank you that in spite of that, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of the limitations we have, if we can turn our focus to you, you can pull us out of that. God, I thank you that we don't have to walk out of here today the same people as when we walked in. Because you offer us the promise of your power if we'll depend on it. You offer us all the promises in your word that can give us peace and hope in the midst of our fears and our worries. And God, you offer us a bigger perspective if we'll just take our eyes off of ourselves, off of other people, off of our circumstances, and put our eyes on you. So God, my prayer is for anybody in here who maybe is is down and their, their heads are just buried in the small picture and they're not seeing Romans 8, 28. They've forgotten the hope that is there. That you have a way of taking even the brokenness in this world and bringing good out of it. So God, I pray that that hope would wash over our crushed spirits, our dry bones this morning and bring us a cheerful heart which is good medicine for the soul. Lord, we thank you that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you're with us. And you indeed are our only hope when it comes to breaking out of seasons of depression. It's in your name we pray.